Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kenny Galladay, let's start there. I think he's just mentally lost his game, Dan. He's a shell of the player he was in Detroit. That thing, this thing feels like it's over. He's not fitting with Dayball's offense. Major problems with the Giants wide receiver group only compounded on Monday night. We'll talk about that here coming up later in the program. But first and foremost, it's the Giants Wire podcast. Welcome in to the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with Dan Benton of USA Today's Giants Wire. Dan, welcome back. It's been a couple of weeks for you. I hope you are well. I just feel like you must have like a bunch of takes that you're just dying to get off your chest. So uh, it's a perfect pod to do that on. Oh, yeah, there's there's quite a few of them. It is good to be back. Still a little bit under the weather, but uh, sort of feeling like the Giants are today. So, but you know, you got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, get back to work. The the perfect season's now off the table, unfortunately. The the magical 17-0, we're out of there. But 2-1's still not a bad place to be. It's it's rough to lose in the division, obviously. Uh, But there's still plenty of time left for the Giants. And, and, you know, it's not like they were blown out of the water. I think some expectations around the league that they were going to get smoked. And and that obviously didn't happen. Um, They played well enough to win, but they couldn't get it done. So some things they need to work on. Yeah, we're going to tackle all of that stuff here. And yeah, I, I wasn't expecting much from the Giants in this game because after talking to Tyler and John uh, last week, uh, that's Tyler Henry and uh, John Fennelly from the Giants Wire, uh, they both liked the Cowboys. Then you texted me and said you like the Cowboys. So I'm like, all right, well, the Giants definitely aren't winning this ball game. <laughs> you know? But you know, some people thought 4-0 was on the table, right? Because yeah. you had Cooper Rush coming in, into East Rutherford, and then you have the Bears this coming week, which is a, a, another dumpster fire organization. So, uh, I mean... 4-0 was a legitimate thing there for a while. But yeah, unfortunately, not to be. The, the Cowboys were too good on defense. Yeah. Reminded that the Giants are a rebuilding team. and yeah. It wasn't quite as magical as it seemed for the <laughs> yeah. first two weeks of the season. I knew it. You, you can't keep scoring less than 20 points and expect to win these ball games. You just can't. Although, although, who knows? In the NFL this year, maybe you can. Yeah, it's and true. It's, it's, yeah. it's a little weird this year. Yeah, and we actually, we'll get to that. We have some takes on that here coming up and, and what's going on across the league. But Let's start with the lightning rod, shall we, Dan? Let's start with the lightning rod that is Daniel Jones. Uh, Daniel Jones. So we're going by the official stats, right? Career high, 24 total pressures, and he had 37 attempted passes. So there's hidden dropbacks in there, right? When you're looking at a box score, like there's dropbacks that end in a sack. There's dropbacks that end in a scramble. So that's, you know, there was a few more dropbacks and 37 passes will illustrate. But still, what we're saying is here, Basically, DJ face pressure every time he dropped back to pass, basically. More or less. Sacked five times, hit 12 times. He ran for his life, rushed nine times for 79 yards. I think he he balled out, obviously. He was not the problem um, on Monday night. The problem was the Giants just could not handle the Cowboys' pressure, right? And the wide receivers couldn't couldn't do anything to help their quarterback. They couldn't catch the football. They couldn't get open. Um, It was just not good. But why, Dan? Why? Are people pitting this on DJ? Like, why is Colin Cowherd right after the game tweeting that, oh, man, the Giants aren't going to do nothing until they get a new quarterback, man? You know, like, why is this why is this continue to be a thing? Like, it's always DJ's fault, no matter what. And even after a game where you're like, man, I, man, DJ could use some help out there, man. He's not getting much help from his teammates. Like, you were tweeting during the game. 
people still pitted on the quarterback. Most most Giants fans and a lot of uh, talking heads seem to do that. It is kind of perplexing. It's lazy is what it is. It's not perplexing. It's lazy. True. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the lowest hanging branch. It's, you know, it, it, it's a narrative that everybody can go to and feel safe with because no one's going to challenge them on it. And, and I, I think that's something that we see across the NFL, not specific necessarily just to Daniel Jones, but in a lot of analysis and commentary. And, and, I, and I'm going to call it out as lazy. Listen, I'll be the first to admit that I drink the Daniel Jones Kool-Aid. I've admitted on this podcast several times that I try to counterbalance that extreme side. And, and you know, in, in doing that, sometimes I go to the extreme side. And I, and I feel that's necessary to keep some sort of neutral view of things that are going on. And when it comes to Monday night, I'm not going to sugarcoat what it was that I saw. I, I, I would argue that that was Daniel Jones' best game as a giant. You're not going to see that in the box score. You're not going to see that in the numbers. You're going to look at that and you're going to think, oh, that's typical Daniel Jones. And a lot of analysis the day after was exactly like that. And it tells me that people either, one, don't know what they're watching or they're not watching at all. And it's only one of those two things because Daniel Jones played out of his mind given the circumstances. And like I just said, I would argue that was his best game as a giant to date. Yeah, Dan, your unwavering defense of Daniel Jones. And it is, it's been unwavering, as you just said. Um, it's never made more sense. Never made more sense to me as it did on Monday night when I was watching that game and you were on it first. I think you were you were out there being like, man, Daniel Jones's teammates are letting him down tonight, right? Mm-hmm. And after you tweeted that, a lot of people started either backing you up or coming up against you, right? And I saw a lot of other outlets posting the same type of thing. Like, yeah, man, DJ's not getting help. And then it was backed up by the coach and it was backed up by teammates in the post game. And it's just like, okay, like, what's the problem here? Why, why do we have to just, why can't we have that? Like as Art Stapleton said from USA Today, right? He basically said, you can both defend the way Daniel Jones played against the Cowboys in his effort and commend him for that effort and be open to the Giants parting ways with him in 2023, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like those, those two things don't have to be combative, right? They can coexist. Those two takes, those things can, can coexist. And yeah. I think that's I, I, I what we're trying to say. Why, yeah. And I don't understand why people such a, have such a hard time with that people. And it's not just it's sports. It's, it's everything in today's society and social media world that, People dig their heels in and they just absolutely have to be right no matter what all the time. Nobody can admit that they were wrong or are mistaken, even for a split second, even for four quarters. They can't ever be wrong. If they believe that Daniel Jones is at fault for everything that's gone wrong with the Giants since he's been drafted, then that's what they're going to stick to no matter what. And I will, again, for the second time on the show and for the millionth time since we do this podcast, I do try to counterbalance it. I do believe that there is a middle ground. But in this world, there you can't ever get to the middle ground unless you clash with the two extremes. and. And that's just the way it is. Do I think that Daniel Jones is going to be a giant next year? I actually don't. I don't believe that's going to be the case. I do think that they're going to go in a different direction. What the future holds for Jones, I have no idea. But I do hope he gets a fresh start somewhere with a competent team behind a competent offensive line so maybe somebody can finally see what it is that he's capable of. Because you even have Dayball admitting um, during a press conference yesterday with reporters that it's nearly impossible to evaluate this kid. It was impossible coming in to evaluate him, given everything that was around him. It's impossible to evaluate him now. The only evaluation they were able to make is how Daniel Jones was able to play when everything else around him failed on Monday night. And pretending that that didn't happen is dishonest and it's lazy. And I've got some stats here that not only back it up for the game, but for the season. And, and you keep hearing about, oh, Daniel Jones has the most time in the NFL to throw the ball from snap to uh, – from snap to pass. And, you know, analytically that is correct, but there are reasons for that. For example, Richie James is the Giants leading receiver in yards of separation with 2.7 yards. 
That is 69th in the NFL. There are no other giant receivers, wide receivers, tight ends, or running backs in the top 100. The data cuts off at 1.6 yards per separation. So that means every other Giants receiver is below 1.6 yards of separation. That is absolutely horrendous. And as you mentioned, he faced 24 pressures that on uh, Monday night. That was the career high for him. It was the most of any Giants quarterback since 2009. There's 49 pressures a season. That's most in the NFL. He's been pressured on 46.7% of his dropbacks, most in the NFL. Despite that, he, he completes 61.1% of his passes under pressure, which is fifth best in the NFL. And he has only eight off-target throws in the NFL so far this season, second best, second only to Geno Smith, ironically, who has six. So it's not as if this guy has got all of these opportunities. And when you look at, oh, he's got you know 3.39 seconds or whatever it is to throw, yeah, great, but he's got to fit those into windows of less than 1.6 yards of separation, and that's not even including the drops, of which there were five on Monday night, including two key drops in the fourth quarter that potentially cost the Giants the game on third down. And that doesn't also include the five throwaways that he had to make. So imagine what his numbers would look like, one, if his receivers caught the ball, two, if they managed any separation whatsoever, even to a league average, it would be a, a tremendous advantage to him. And then you look at the pressure and the pressure rate. The Giants have faced the most pressure against the four-man front of any team in the NFL, and they've surrendered the most sacks of any team against the four-man rush in the NFL, which means there are seven defenders out there in the secondary just covering everything up, which also ties hand-in-hand hand with the yards of separation. There's no quarterback in the NFL, and I don't care, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't matter. There's no quarterback in the NFL that would be able to exceed in those same exact circumstances, and if you say there are, you're a liar. Yeah, I don't care what you say, Dan. I want Tyrod Taylor. Let's go. It's Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. No, no, no. No, some very good stuff there. Yeah, I mean, DJ played his ass off. He played his ass off, and, and those stats are – I like how you stretch that out over the year because uh, it's very telling, right? But he played his ass off. The Cowboys front basically got whatever it wanted against the Giants O-line. We'll talk about that. Uh, the Giants had nothing going on besides DJ running for his life and Saquon. That's it. Um, so we'll get into the wide receivers. Uh, you know, Sterling Shepard. I mean, just got to You got to feel for that guy. Poor Sterling Shepard. You know, just horrible. Yeah. Probably Jones's, you know, most trusted target. And now, it's, now I guess yeah. it's Richie James. Richie um, James. He's now your number one receiver. And, I and that's get not a knock on Richie James, but that, that should tell everybody where the Giants are in terms of their talent wide receiver. 100%. Richie James is not only leading the team with um, yards of separation at 2.7, but is the number one in terms of targets. The Giants have problems at the position. 100%. So we got more takes on the wide receiver group uh, coming up next. But uh, on the defensive side, big story in your mind, Dan, and your reporting on Giants Wire was uh, Leonard Williams missing this ball game, right? Just the uh, Giants got gashed by Tony Pollard a few times, and they, mm -hmm. they helped Ezekiel Elliott find the uh, fountain of youth a little bit. He looked better in this ball game than he did in weeks one and two for the Cowboys, for sure. Um, so Leonard Williams missing, how big of a factor was that for you? I thought it was a huge factor. It's ironic because when he went down um, against uh, well, it's at the Panthers, uh, there was a lot of there's a lot of commentary on Twitter that, oh, you know, the Giants aren't going to miss him that much. Look at his numbers. Look at his stats. He's not generating, you know, enough sacks and yada, yada. You know, the same old tired stuff that you always hear. What you saw on Monday is the impact of Leonard Williams not being on the field. And that's all there is to it. Not only did the Giants surrender the most rushing yards that they have all season, they allowed 6.81 yards per carry, 
which was up from 3.49 yards per carry when Leonard Williams was on the field so far this season. So it was nearly double the yards per carry. And the other part of that problem was they weren't just allowing the, the running backs to gash them. They weren't setting the edge, which is what Leonard Williams is arguably the best on the team at doing. So they were, they were collapsing in. They were leaving everything open on the outside. The Cowboys were completely taking advantage of that. So you, you got the, you know, the, the bumped up yards per carry, uh, but especially along the edge where the Giants just weren't doing the job. Dan, excellent stuff out of you. I knew after a week, you know, after a couple weeks, you'd have, you'd be prepared. You came armed with uh, stats. You're ready to go this week. I appreciate it. Uh, I think we all do listening. And um, where do the Giants go from here at wide receiver? I think that's, that continues to be a big storyline with this team. We're going to get into that here coming up next. But first, our friends over at thehuddle.com have their fantasy starts of the week. I'm not sure if many Giants outside of Saquon Barkley will be on that list, Dan. <laughs> but let's hear what they got. We'll be right back. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for week number four. Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson at Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas ranks sixth against quarterbacks, allowing more than 25 fantasy points per game through the first three weeks. One added bonus here is two touchdowns have come on the ground, and the defense has given up 273 yards per game through the air. Three straight contests with at least 23.4 fantasy points is encouraging, especially considering one of those was Ryan Tannehill. Look for Wilson to get back on track this week. Rashad Penny at the Detroit Lions. Penny has rushed for 141 yards at a 4.4 yard per carry clip so far, but no touchdowns have hamstrung his fantasy worth. He has yet to get into double figures in PPR scoring in any game this year, and a now healthy Kenneth Walker cutting into his touches makes this one a tough sell. Enter the Lions to ease some of those fears. Detroit has surrendered the highest rushing touchdown efficiency rate for the position, the most fantasy points per touch, the most PPR points, the most non-PPR points, and the 11th most offensive yards per game to the position through three weeks. If there were ever a time to roll Penny out there, this would be it. Buffalo Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie at Baltimore Ravens. Primarily operating out of the slot, which is a productive role in this offensive design, McKenzie offers weekly consideration in deeper fantasy leagues. Baltimore will have all eyes trained on stopping Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, which frees up McKenzie to operate against solo coverage in space. He could be on the high end of volume from Josh Allen, just like last week. There's still a bit of downside just because of the volume the other receivers see, which obviously cuts into the opportunities. Thanks in large part to the week two destruction from Miami's passing game. Baltimore is the easiest defense to exploit, statistically speaking, for this week. Green Bay Packers tight end Robert Tunyon versus the New England Patriots. Still working his way back from last year's torn ACL, Tunyon has no more than 37 yards in each of the first three games. He has not scored, though last week's six reception performance was an encouraging sign. The Patriots have given up a league-high four touchdowns to the position on just 17 receptions, and that's the hope here. Tunyon is merely a flyer for a score and remains a major risk in fantasy lineups. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Dan, where did the Giants go from here at wide receiver? Uh, it's an interesting situation because you could argue they have the worst wide receiving core. I don't want to say that because there's some unknowns the still. They yeah. have the worst wide receiver. Well, we haven't really seen Wandale Robinson yet, but I, I know. <laughs> or, okay, I don't want, like, 
the most unreliable wide receiver yeah, group in the league. Right, that's fair. Yet you're allocating the second most cap space dollars to that position in the league behind only the Chargers. And you would be number one if Shepard and Darius Slayton didn't take huge pay cuts in the offseason, right? So that's a just mind-boggling, right? You're getting so little production from your wide receivers. As you said with that great stat, nobody's getting separation besides Richie James in the top 100 in the league. Nobody's getting 110. Any, yeah, 110, 110. There it is. Uh, so where do we go from here at wide receiver? I mean, Kenny Galladay, let's start there. I think he's just mentally lost his game, Dan. He's a shell of the player he was in Detroit. That thing, this thing feels like it's over. He's not fitting with Dayball's offense. I, that ball he dropped in the fourth quarter on Monday night, the fighting the ball away, like he had it and then he fought it and he, he was wide open and nobody was on him. It was just freaking brutal. I mean, that's just mental. That's not physical. Like, I know we've worried about, is he right? Is the hip right? Like, is did they get damaged goods when they signed him? Was he not healthy? And I just think he's mentally checked out. I don't think it's physical, at least Monday night. So I think Galladay is, is one. Like, what do they do there? Is he around past the trade deadline? You know, do they eat a lot of his salary and trade him to a team like, I don't know, the Packers, who might want to take a stab at him for a late round draft pick because they're kind of bringing in some rookie wide receivers and they could use uh, some help. Could that happen? What do you think happens with Kenny Galladay? Because this situation, obviously, with some of his comments and his play, him getting benched in week three or week two and then coming out and playing the way he did on Monday nights. It's just a, a huge mess right now with Galladay. I think the biggest issue is he's killing his own trade value. You know, even if he wants to go somewhere else and he's kind of indicated if things don't, you know, work better uh, within the giants that, you know, he potentially be open to it. He didn't necessarily say that, but he certainly didn't rule it out. He basically said, we'll see, but he's kind of killing his own trade value. There's not a team or GM around the league. That's going to watch what happened on Monday night and be like, that's my guy. You know, even if the giants eat the salary, exactly. You've got all these rumors that, you know, maybe his hip wasn't nearly as good as it, you know, everybody thought it was. And Dave Gettleman kind of poo-pooed the notion that, you know, it was an issue and that everything would be perfectly fine. Whether or not that's true, you can't look at the production that he's put together over his first two, you know, one and then, you know, one plus seasons with the Giants and think that this is still a quality NFL wide receiver. He had multiple opportunities on Monday night. Uh, one was, the, the you know, the drop that you were talking about, which was, game changing essentially you know he dropped that the giants have to pass they go on to punt the ball uh you know dallas comes down and scores three so that had all kinds of ramifications but even earlier in the game he had an opportunity with his big frame what he's known to do to box digs out catch the ball you know use his size make a play and he basically got rolled up on and the ball got knocked away and if you know he can't make those plays which is what he's specifically designed to do then what value is it that he brings to the table and then of course you've got what has to be mental issues you know there's no other excuse for dropping that pass as a veteran wide receiver who's made many big plays scored many touchdowns in the nfl who just didn't watch the ball in i don't want to say that's lazy uh but it's certainly a mental issue and there obviously have been questions about his motivation and his effort in practice and throughout training camp the preseason and we've seen it again in the games so far this year, uh, but the Giants are in such a precarious situation at wide receiver right now that they almost have to rely on Galladay because uh, Robinson doesn't sound like he's coming back anytime soon. Uh, Dayball seemed to indicate that Kadarius Tony won't be ready for this week. So what uh, what other options do the Giants have? They don't have a whole lot of cap space to work with. Um, you know, there's all these talks about should they trade for Denzel Mims and whatnot. They just don't have the money for it. They just don't have the money to, to operate. 
Um, they're going to have to rely on someone like Alex Bachman, potentially, who they let go, who, you know, they wanted to sign him back to that practice squad. He decided to, you know, test the waters elsewhere. He remains unsigned. Whether or not he'd be interested in coming back um, after that debacle remains to be seen. Whether or not the Giants would be interested in, in coming back remains to be seen. Uh, so, unfortunately, the Giants and Daniel Jones might just be stuck with what they got right now. And that means starting wide receivers that are Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, David Sills, and Richie James Jr. And that's just not going to get it done. With Sterling Shepard, like, what like what was your reaction when you saw him just, you know, grab his knee? You know, uh, on, a, on a play where he wasn't cutting Dan, he wasn't really running hard, he wasn't, he wasn't touched. Um, what... what like, how did you feel when you saw that? Well, did, I knew he was done. Did your heart fall in your stomach? Thought, I, yeah, yeah I, my heart sunk into my stomach for him. I just, I felt horrible for him. Um, but I instantly knew when I when I saw the replay, I'm like, that's it. He's done. He's done, he's done for the season. That's probably the end of his Giants career, unfortunately. Um, and, and that was a key loss for the offense because that was Daniel Jones' security blanket. Um, you're going to have to rely on, on you know, like I said before, some unproven guys that don't have a whole lot of experience. And then Richie James, who, you know, to his credit is playing well, but, you know, he's not wide receiver one or two or maybe even three on basically any other team in the NFL. And, and now he's your primary guy. And, uh, you know, that, that creates some major problems. And it's not like you got tight ends that are going to light the world on fire with their receiving, receiving ability. So you're not going to be able to go that route either. So the Giants and Mike Kafka, they're going to have to get super creative and, and Joe Shane's going to have to figure something out with the limited cap space he's got. But, you know, you, you hear things like, well, maybe Odell will come back. Well, Odell came out. He's Listen, he's recovering from ACL. He's months away from coming back as it is, a month and a half, whatever it may be. And, you know, it's not like he's looking at that, what happened with Shepard, and it's like, you know what, I want to get back on that MetLife Stadium turf. Yeah, he's been ACL tweeting about tennis. it, yeah. So, yep. Right, and he even said that. He's like, it's time to go grass. Yep. So it's not like these guys are going to sign up and be like, oh, I want to go play for a rebuilding team that's going to you know, ultimately have a losing record potentially on turf that is just destroying people's careers. Poor Sterling Shepard, man. He worked so hard to be ready for the year, Dan. He wanted to be here, chose to stay with the Giants, took less money, voided the final year of his deal, right, to help the team a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, so, and it's now... It's heartbreaking. You're right. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And now his contract's up. You're right. So it could be the end of his Giants tenure. It is. It That, that was... That with was all those hard. injuries, I hate to even... I hate to even you know, speculate about it. But with all of the injuries he's had, it might be the end of his career. I mean, it's possible. I mean, the Giants are cursed at wide receiver with these injuries. They're just cursed. Like these guys keep these poor receivers for the Giants. Day, they can't stay healthy. Doesn't matter who the doctors are or the coaches or what, or, you know, yeah. and, and the worst part of that problem is now they need to make sure that what they've got left has to stay healthy for the rest of the season. They can't afford to lose any more of these guys. They just can't. Well, that's a comforting place to be. You know, that's they, just, not just in terms of personnel, but in terms of salary cap space, yeah. they just don't have they don't have what it takes to, to fix these problems. These guys have to stay healthy and stay on the field. That's just all there is to it. That's all there is to it. There's no doubt about it. So um, Evan Neal, we're going to get to him here coming up. It was a tough day for the rookie against Demarcus Lawrence. <laughs> maybe we could have predicted that poor Evan Neal. Um, now he's got probably maybe maybe some Roquan Smith he'll see against the Bears. So uh, I'm going to get Dan's take on the rookie, how he's holding up. And we'll also cover Giants Bears. Look at the spread and preview that game coming up next. But first, our friends from the Bet Slippin' Podcast have a play of the week for us. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Be sure to check us and our sportsbook provider, Typico Sportsbook, out. 
All odds are provided by our friends at Tipico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader, which is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus. See site for details. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. All right, on to the game. Sunday night football, we have the Bucks versus the Chiefs. The Bucks are three at home against the spread since 2020 as a home underdog and five and one as an underdog in general since adding Brady. Chris Godwin is practicing and Mike Evans will return. Tom Brady in primetime with a sick defense led by an elite secondary while also being an underdog and likely being faded by the public. Give me the Bucks plus 1.5. That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. We're going to get to uh, Giants-Bears. But in the previous segment, if you heard something in the background, I mean, we're not in the studio together, Dan, right? We're not in a professional studio. Uh, we're doing our best remotely to, uh, to record this show each week uh, for the Giants-Wire. Uh, but, you know, if you heard some noises in the back, those are your chickens, right, Dan? You have chickens at home. And, and the do, chickens are were part of the uh, podcast this week. I was really trying to, <laughs> I was really trying to cover the microphone, so <laughs> couldn't hear that. But yeah, uh, one of my hens laid an egg, and she does it every morning. She was celebrating. She needs to let the world know she laid her eggs. So uh, that's what you heard. That's what it was. It's nothing, nothing on TV or anything like that. It's yeah. just one of my hens celebrating. If people are like, "What is Dan watching in the background? Or what is O'Leary? What is he playing chicken sound effects like in the background on Dan while he's talking? Uh, no, no, no. Man. It's Dan's. It Dan's hen was laying an egg." So that's yeah. that. Um, okay, let's get back to business. Well, I got here. fresh eggs for tomorrow. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that sounds delicious. <laughs> I mean, my God. Um, so Evan Neal, welcome to the NFL. Why don't you try to block DeMarcus uh, Lawrence all night, right? It's oh, been a it's been a tough night for him. I mean, a tough uh, opening for him. I mean, you Dan. couldn't you yeah. couldn't start the three NFL weeks against yep. three you know better defenses and talented players and. I do feel bad for Evan Neal. I mean, he's really boy. Talk about trial by far. <laughs> You're welcome to the NFL yep. moments. Yep. My welcome, goodness. Rook. Yep. I think it's a tough time to be a rookie O-lineman um, just because now we can talk about, so 70% of NFL teams, around 70%, a little bit less, but if you look at just points per game, just pull it up, NFL teams are averaging 21 points per game or lower 68% of the time, we'll call it, right? So 68% of the league, Dan, averaging 21 points per game or lower. That's way down, way yeah, down. Way down. Uh, way down. We're, we're used to seeing, you know, more than half the league up in the high 20s. The best teams are usually in the low 30s, right? Um, in terms of points per game. I mean, this is where the Giants usually are, around 20, 21 right. points per game, right? Now this is where 70% of the league is. So that's crazy. So why is that, right? It could be because of the preseason, because guys just aren't getting reps, right? In the preseason. Well, one anymore. less game, too. Yep, one less game, and, and a lot of starters just aren't playing. Um, so it could be that. Maybe guys just aren't quite ready to go until week four or five. We'll see. Um, but I also think it's speed. It's speed on defense. It's smaller, Absolutely. speedier defenses. And I think right now, being a rookie O lineman coming in from college, seeing the difference in these athletes coming at you, uh, I think it's it's tough. It's a tough time. I think Evan Neal will be fine. I'm not. I think our our point in bringing this up is we're not panicking. We're not panicking. Not with Evan panicking. Neal. No, I, I said that yesterday. I'm like, people got to relax. Just just chill out. A relax. Bit. Remember yes, where Andrew Thomas relax. was. 
I mean, it was the same. It was the same kind of talking points that we we saw with Andrew Thomas just a couple of years ago. Always a bust. Always never going to be anything. He's not going to do it. He, he, you know, the Giants messed up. Now he's the highest graded left tackle in the entire NFL, and arguably the most dominant left tackle in the NFL. I'm not saying that that's where Neil's going to get it right tackle, but I'm not panicking yet. No, it hasn't looked good. It particularly didn't look good last week where he admitted it was the worst game that he's ever played at any level ever. Welcome to the NFL, son. <laughs> it's Marcus really fast here. And, and I think part of it is, um, you know, listen, it was, we've talked about this in recent years. It was inevitable that NFL defenses were going to adjust to the way that the NFL was playing on offense, the way that offenses were developed, deployed, uh, you know, the play calling, et cetera, et cetera. You know, now it's the defenses that are, are making all these adjustments, changing the style of play, getting much, much faster. And listen, the Giants have played arguably three of the best defensive front sevens in the NFL in the first three weeks. That is tough for the most seasoned grizzled veterans at tackle, let alone a, a rookie right tackle who's playing his first ever games in the NFL. So has it been great? Absolutely not. I'm not going to even pretend for a single second that Evan Neal's pass protection has been anywhere near where it needs to be. He's been a little bit better, you know, run blocking. I think the whole offensive line has. But in terms of pass protection, it's a mess. It has a lot to do with speed. I, I You know, you saw him, the Giants trying to get him help. Uh, he was blocking away from the chips. You know, there were some mental mistakes in there. That's coachable. That's, that's something that could be cleaned up. He's got to improve his footwork. You know, the rest will come to him. I'm not like I said, I'm I don't, you know, not necessarily saying he's gonna be one of the best right tackles in in the league. I mean, I think he certainly has the potential to be. I mean, just look at the, the mammoth size of this man and the athleticism. You you know, that's a rare quality. Um, but you know, he's he's going against really difficult, really speedy opponents. It's not gonna get any easier this weekend. Um, but you know, I, I'm not panicking yet. I'm not even close to panicking yet. I think the offensive line as a whole is certainly an issue, especially as it comes into pass protection. We don't need to go over the pressure rates any further. Uh, <laughs> no, we're depressed. But, you know, when man. you when you've got a five man line and you've got a tight end and a running back in, and you're still giving up pressure uh, to you know four man rushes, there's obviously a, a major major problem that's going on there. But I think a lot of that has more to do with people being in the right place. Uh, picking up the blitzes, uh, picking up the stunts, or whatever it may be. Uh, the Giants have some things they need to clean up. I think that's something Bobby Johnson and company will eventually get a handle on. All they got to do is be average. Um, still early. You know, talk to me in week eight, week nine, week 10 if these same issues are still occurring. And then, you know, maybe we'll have a different conversation about it. Yeah, I just have a feeling Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the Bears, the new head coach, defensive guy, I just have a feeling he's going to put Roquan Smith over there and test Evan Neal a little bit. I just have a feeling that's coming. Hey, no reason not to, yeah, right? Exactly. Like if, if you're a coach and you're, you're watching the film, you, you know, listen, that's your best opportunity. That's what yep. you've got to do. Yep. And the Giants got to come up with a plan to counter that. Um, and it's not nothing against you know Roquan Smith, but I, I think that maybe <laughs> the opposing talent drops off a little bit this weekend, finally. I'm not saying it's a rest by any stretch of the imagination. Obviously, it's still very much a challenge. Um, but I don't necessarily believe that the Bears front seven is quite as talented or as speedy as the the previous three teams that the Giants have played. Yeah, certainly not as fast as Dallas. Um, but the, or Carolina. Yeah, that yeah true Boy, that. They were fast. True that, true that. Yeah, uh, the Bears, they're kind of built similarly to the Giants. Oh, I, I feel like yeah. the Giants are playing their twin in week four. And some of the stuff, <laughs> Dan, like I wrote all this down. So the Bears happen to be a surprising two and one team as well. I don't think a lot of people had the Bears at two and one. I don't think anybody had the Giants at two and one. Um, they also have a new head coach and GM, just like the Giants. They have a bunch of receivers, Dan, who can't get open and can't catch. 
Uh, and they've got an offensive line that consistently has uh, Justin Fields, their quarterback, running for his life, getting sacked, right? Like Daniel Jones knows very well. Because of that, they usually get their biggest plays from the run game, right? They've actually altogether had the number two rushing offense in football behind only the uh, Browns. So solid defense. They're only allowing 19 points per game, kind of right where the Giants are. Uh, They lean on the running game. They get their big plays from the running game. Quarterback's running for his life. Same record. New coach, new GM. The Giants are playing their twin, right? So I'm predicting a tie here. I think these teams are the same. (laughs) They're the same. I'm predicting a tie. I don't know if I'd go that far (laughs) uh, as far as a tie goes. Listen, I I think the Giants have an exceptionally thin lacking of talent roster. I don't think there's anybody that can deny that. They've got some... You know, strong pieces in a couple different places, but you know, wide receiver, at linebacker, at cornerback, they they've definitely got some issues. But you know, apples to apples, oranges to oranges, and this isn't meant to insult the Bears. Listen, they're obviously a rebuilding team starting from the ground up again, just like the Giants are. But I think the Giants are a more talented overall roster than Chicago, and I think that might this week might that might be the only time that's the case for the giants this entire season i agree with you i think the giants have uh, i think a they have bit a little talent. bit of yep. an edge in terms of the roster there and listen if, if leonard williams comes back he was doubtful this past weekend or this past week didn't play i'm not 100 percent sure that he'll be able to play this week but if he is i think that that adds a major piece to the puzzle for the giants and really kind of limits what chicago is going to be able to do in terms of the run i think Kayvon thibodeau if the pitch count comes off him He's speedy enough to kind of keep Justin Fields in the pocket, force you to beat him with his arm as opposed to his legs. Because if you let him get out and run around, you're going to have some problems. It's going to be a bad time. Um, And if Aaron Robinson, who had the appendectomy, is able to come back, I think that also shores up things at cornerback, allows Wink Martindale to be a little bit more aggressive than he was this past week uh, because that did kind of fall off a little bit. So it's going to really – it's going to really hinge on the injured players and whether or not they come back. Uh, but even if they don't, I, I still think the Giants stand up a better chance against the Bears than they really had in any of the previous three games in which they won two. So I don't think it's going to necessarily be a pretty game, uh, but I do think the Giants are going to pick up the win uh, on Sunday and go to go to three and one before they head to London and take on the Green Bay Packers in a game where they're probably going to get their pants blown off. Yeah, I think these teams are are very much the same. The only difference is the Giants actually feature the forward pass, even though we've covered the wide receiver issues with the Giants in this show pretty in depth. The Giants still attempt the forward pass. The Bears don't. They don't, they don't really yeah. attempt the forward pass. I, and I think one of the things you're going to see in this game, and I'll say it right now, is you're going to see the reemergence of Darius Slayton because, listen, it makes sense for the Bears to kind of sell out on stopping Saquon Barkley with the Giants receiver issues the way they are. Uh, but as long as the Giants can just pass, just hold on to some of these blocks and pass protections just a split second longer, you're going to see an opportunity for Darius Slayton, who's probably the only wide receiver on the team that could truly stretch the field, to get out there deep and let Daniel Jones throw it to him. There were a couple instances where Jones was looking his way on Monday against the Cowboys, and the, the blocks just they just couldn't hold up. And, and had they had another step or two, Darius Slayton was getting open deep. He was getting wide open deep. And, and I think you're going to see that a little bit more against Chicago because they're not quite as physical. They're not quite as fast. And they probably aren't going to be able to generate the same amount of pressure as the Cowboys did. And that's going to give Daniel Jones an opportunity to go deep to Darius Slayton. So I think that might end up being the key to this game. Okay, just writing that down on my little uh, notebook that I always have next to me when I'm speaking to you during the betting segment. Darius Slayton, put him in your <laughs> daily fantasy lineup. Got it. Do you know how many people message me these days about that? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel I feel almost terrified for people taking my 
my predictions. Oh, you're never wrong. Advice for betting, but you're never you're never wrong. You're never wrong, Dan. That's the thing. I'm going to be wrong eventually. You I'm going to cost somebody money eventually. You picked the I Cowboys mean, last perfect. week. You weren't even on the show last week because you were sick, but you still picked the Cowboys. I still got that onto. <laughs> I still got that out into the universe, and it, and it happened again. I know, I know, and I know. And somebody messaged me. I'm not going to say who, but somebody messaged me like, "You won money again. You win money every week." <laughs> so yeah. good. Well, we appreciate people hanging on and listening. So, just to be clear, you picked the Giants, but you didn't pick the spread. So the Giants are. Are three and a half point three home favorites. Do you think they can win by four? I do. 20 to 16? And I think they're going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if it's, I think the Giants are going to put up a couple more points than that. I'm thinking maybe 20, 23, 16, something like that. 24, 16, 17. It's going to be somewhere in that range. Okay. Getting the 20. And I also think that, hard, that spread. It's a hard thing well, for the Giants I, what to I, do. I would say is wait to bet because the spread is going to come down. Yeah. It's come down in each of the three weeks of the season. It's been almost even. I believe even at kickoff on almost every one of these games, maybe the Giants by half point. So I'd say, if, listen, I'm not, I'm, I don't gamble myself. I don't even bet on my own predictions. <laughs> well, you but rich. if you are one of these people that do this, just wait for the wait for the spread to drop because it's going to drop, and and that's going to be your opportunity because then it's a safer bet because the Giants are going to win by more than a field goal. I think they're going to win by a touchdown. So just you know, wait for the spread to come down. Okay, so three and a half, maybe one unit, but if the line comes down to three or two and a half. Um, maybe throw a couple extra units on the Jets. That sounds like easy money to me. I'm yeah. not gonna. I'm still not gonna bet because I don't gamble. But it does sound like. Oh, easy I will. Money to me. Oh, I'm going to bet, Dan. Uh, this is this is part of like this is this is like my like my fun money is uh, betting on the Giants when you tell me to. Uh, so there that is. And the over/under is 38 and a half. Tiny, tiny over/under. 38 and a half might be the lowest on the board. We'll see. Um, so if you don't love three and a half, you could look at the under. I don't think the Bears are gonna score a lot of points. They just don't. Again, so the Bears, Justin Fields, Dan, he hasn't thrown for 300 yards yet. On the season, in three weeks, he hasn't thrown for 300 yards. He hasn't gotten to 300 passing yards. And uh, I think against Green Bay, he threw 11 pass attempts. And against uh, their opponent last week, he I, I'm spacing on their opponent, but he only passed it 17 times yeah, last week. He doesn't pass much. So they don't, sure. they don't attempt the forward pass. They just lean on the run. It was the Texans last week. And really, he threw an interception in the second half, and the coaches said, nope, nope, we're going to run the ball now. And they just really just ran it, ran it, ran it, and then they got an interception by Roquan Smith yeah. to win the game. So yeah. they're going to run the ball. For Houston. They, <laughs> shame for you. They really should have won that game, Houston. They're, Houston's like the team that you always think sucks, but then they're always in every game. You know, it's yeah, kind of man, one of those things. They, they had that game, and they let that one slip. They did. There's not a lot of gimmies anymore. These, there's a lot of competitive football going on. There is, which is, which yeah, is pretty there, good. There has been, yeah, pretty consistently across the league. It's been very, very low scoring, close games, and I don't think it's going to be any different this Sunday. I think that's exactly what you're going to see. No, it'll be, it'll be an interesting little ball game. So, Giants Bears, looking forward to that one again. These teams are very, very similar, but I think the Giants have a slight edge uh, in the roster. I think they have an edge at quarterback. I think they have an edge at passing the football, which I think in the modern day NFL is important, Dan. So, yeah, I'm picking the Giants as well. Well, Dan, um, listen, if Daniel Jones plays the way he did against Dallas, against Chicago this Sunday. Forget about it. Yep. Yeah. It's going to he'll he's going to put up big numbers, I think. Yep. Forget about it. So, all right. We had a fully charged Dan Benton this week. Good stuff as always. Check out Dan on the Giants Wire and his correspondents. They're always doing great work. So check that out between now and kickoff for sure. And uh, for Dan, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We'll catch you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.